Good morning. It's good to be with all of you this morning. No one blew away or got washed away by the wind or water. <laughs> That's good. I don't know about you, but I've been praying for safety for many of our neighbors and the people in our region with the intensity of the storm we've experienced. Um, we were praying for rain, but we were like, Lord, that's a little too much too fast, right? Maybe spread it out a bit. <laughs> but it's still good, good to get rain, and good to be with all of you. I've also been praying for uh, all of our community here as we've been trying to make our way through uh, out of another uh, bout with COVID. I'm praying for recovery for those who were infected. Uh, and joining all of you uh, in prayer for uh, quick recovery for them and protection for all of us as well. Uh, it's so good to be with you. This is our first gathering of worship in the new year, 2023. Is that is that hard for anyone else to believe when, when you read the number and you're like, 2023? I mean, that was in all the sci-fi movies, right? <laughs> this is what the future is. But here we are. Well, it's a good uh, day to worship together, and we're going to begin our service of worship with our first hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. O God, our Father, 
At the baptism of Jesus, you proclaimed him your beloved Son, and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. May all who are baptized into Christ faithful to their calling to be our daughters and sons, and empower us with your Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one of God, now and forever. Amen. And now for our first reading scripture. Our first reading is Isaiah 42, 1 through 96. The servant, a light to the nations, here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimming, burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus say God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it, and spirit to those who walk in it. <clears throat> I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, this is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to the idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of this, the Lord says. Our song from the lectionary comes from Psalm 29, the voice of God in a great storm. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. You make the The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of the voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl. The 
The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And now for our next hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. The Gentiles hear the good news. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of our Lord. As we come to the time of the message this morning, before I get into talking about that text that I just read, I wanted to share something with you uh, that I am excited about and that I wanted to invite you to join me in praying for. So, a little while ago, about six or seven months ago, I applied for a training program uh, which is specific to chaplaincy, to being a chaplain in, in a various uh, types of facilities like ours. Uh, and it has a, a name, this is kind of one of the classic trainings that many chaplains undergo uh, in preparation for becoming a chaplain. Uh, I was a pastor for many years and continue to serve as a pastor of a church, as well as a pastor to all of you. Uh, but I wanted to pursue this training to continue to improve and grow in my skills uh, as a chaplain. And I did not expect to get accepted into the training program until the fall of 2023. Well, back in September, two days before the current semester was going to begin, they had an opening. And so they called me up and said, we have two days till we start. Do you want to jump in now? And I said, okay, let's do this. So over the past few months, I've been doing this training, and I have been really blessed by it. It's been a really cool opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, I'm in a part of a group, a cohort of eight other students who are also chaplains and pastors in various contexts. And I have come to find that I have a new goal with the training, not only for myself, but I have discovered the opportunity for me to eventually, if I continue through these units, one unit is a semester, if I complete four of those, which takes about two years, I could become an instructor for this very training. So what I really think is exciting is not only would this benefit me, my long-term goal would be to make it so that Sunnyview was a place where we could train future chaplains, which would be really cool, right? 
Now, I can't promise we'll get there, because it takes a while, two years, to do the training, but it's what I'm working toward. And so I wanted to invite you to join me in prayer uh, for that journey. I've really loved working with the students that I'm working with now as I'm learning. Uh, I do it online every Monday and Wednesday morning. Uh, the teacher is on the East Coast, so I have to get up really early <laughs> for my classes on Monday and Wednesday morning, but it's been very fruitful. And so I just wanted to encourage you to join me in prayer as I continue to make my way through that. And hopefully, if I can do it consecutively in about a year and a half, then I should be able to pursue the credentialing for being a teacher. And then I think the cool benefit would be we could have anywhere between one or two or seven or eight student chaplains here throughout the school year. And then you would be blessing future chaplains by allowing them to serve you as chaplains and learn in our context, which I think is a wonderful place uh, to learn the ministry of chaplaincy. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you as a testimony at the beginning of 2023, uh, something I'm excited about, and I invite you to join me in prayer for that as we make our way through. And I'll give you updates as I make my way further through as well. Now for our text in Matthew. This is a story that we have another uh, version of in the Gospel of Luke. And so in both cases, we hear the story of Jesus' baptism, uh, where he arrives at the Jordan River, and his cousin, John the Baptist, is there baptizing people. Now, for some context, to better understand what's happening and what, what, why people are gathering out of this wilderness place, John is now known around the region as a prophet of God. John has been walking around living in the wilderness. Uh, the, the story goes that John wears very rough uh, clothes made of camel's hair uh, and eats locusts and honey as his meals out of the wilderness. And he's become a person, a figure within the region, in the context of this time, that everyone wants to hear teach. He's calling the people of God to repent. He's calling them to come to the River Jordan to be baptized. But what does that mean? In the context of the story, the baptism John is offering is a very visible sign of a change in their life. He's calling people to confess their sins, to turn away from things they know are wrong, so that they can be washed and renewed and given new life and a new purpose. That's really the purpose behind it which in many ways is the same reason we get baptized today. <laughs> it's the very same thing, our confession of faith in Christ and our desire to die with Christ and rise with Christ in the waters of baptism. Well, lo and behold, John is out there doing what John does best, teaching, preaching, baptizing people in the River Jordan. And along comes his cousin, Jesus, right? And as I read in the story, Jesus shows up, and what does John do? John looks at his cousin and says, wait a minute, <laughs> I know who you are. I'm not supposed to baptize you, I need you to baptize me. John very clearly believes and knows that Jesus is the Messiah. He's known it for quite some time, he knew it even inside his mother's womb when he kicked as a little baby, uh, and when Mary showed up with pregnant with Jesus, Elizabeth, having John in her belly, he kicked. He was excited to see his cousin even in the womb. So John has known this for a long time. And John, appropriately so, suggests that Jesus should be the one to baptize him. And this brings about one of the biggest questions that people have wrestled with for 2,000 years of church history. Why did Jesus get baptized? What was the point of that? 
He clearly didn't have any sin to confess. So why is he doing this? Well, a lot of people have come up with a lot of different theological explanations. But ultimately, Jesus makes it clear that this is important for some reason, even if it's mysterious to us. He's doing it because God has called him to do it. And it may very well be that Jesus is doing it to model for us what we are to do, right? To give us our example. As our Lord and Rabbi and King, we follow him everywhere. And so maybe he's just doing it to show us this is what I'm calling all of you to do. I'm calling you all to enter into this death and this resurrection of baptism. Now what happens in the baptism of Jesus is mysterious and wonderful at the same time. Because as John does it, John acquiesces. He says, okay, you're the Messiah, I'll follow your instructions. If you want me to baptize you, I'll do that. And when he does, he immerses his cousin in the water, and as Jesus comes up out of the water, the story says that the heavens open, and a dove flies down. The dove is the personification of the Holy Spirit, right? The presence of the third person of the Trinity. And as the dove comes and lands on Jesus, or, or is hovering there above Jesus, we also hear a voice from heaven that says, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Now, one of the most beautiful things about this story is the picture we get right there at that snapshot in the story. Because that's a picture of the entirety of who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is right here in the text of Scripture. For many people, they wrestle with the idea of God being three and one at the same time. And if I knew how that worked, I would probably be a much smarter guy. Because I, don't, I can't equate, figure out that equation in my head. How does one equal three and three equal one? <laughs> well, the beauty of us saying that God is this, that God is Trinity, first of all, it's revealed to us. Right? It's not something that we figured out on our own. This is a story from Scripture. This is from Jesus' own life. So God has revealed God's self this way. This is who God is. Three persons, so powerfully one, they're indivisible, right? Yet at the same time, three. It's a mystery. We can't fully understand it. If Really, when you think about it, if we could fully understand God, God wouldn't be God, right? <laughs> but God is mysterious. God is infinite. God is omnipotent. And because God is, when God reveals God's character and nature as Trinity, there's going to be some mystery wrapped up in that, and that's okay. So as much as you're, those of you in here who are really critical thinkers and love to try and parse things out, want to figure out how the three can equal one and the one can equal three, let me help you by encouraging you that there are, there are important, uh, impactful reasons that we see later on why it's important that there is a Trinity. For one, we know God is love. First John teaches us that. This is who God is. God is love. And God is a perfectly unified community from eternity and into eternity. And God, being love, wanted to create more beings to love. That's you and me. We reflect the character and nature of God in that we were designed to love. We were designed to not only receive it, but also to give it. That's what community is all about. That's why you're here this morning. We're a part of community together, sharing in worship, sharing in prayer, sharing in support and encouragement and blessing. We come and when we gather for worship, we smile, we say, how are, how are you doing? We share hugs, we share food and fellowship. 
That's part of being a community of love. Throughout the week, we check in on each other, we pray for each other, we, we say, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. We talk with one another. That's part of community. And all of that fits under the umbrella of the beauty of what we're seeing in this story. This is who God is. God is a perfectly unified community of love. And God invites you and me to mirror that in our life experience with our brothers and sisters in faith. To be a loving community of faith. People who love one another, serve one another, give to one another, and go beyond. Go beyond even the community of faith from loving those outside. Right? We're called to love everyone. So that's one very important application point of this story, is to recognize that what we see in God's nature as Trinity is also an invitation for you and me to love one another and to love everyone we encounter. Now there's a second, just as important, point that I want to make from this text that I have wrestled with many times and I find personally is a very powerful truth. When we read this story, we hear the voice of God the Father, right? We hear him say, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. One of my favorite spiritual authors, writers, thinkers, uh, pastoral people is Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a Dutch Catholic priest who's written many, many works. He passed away. Uh, a couple decades ago, but his works have lived on in many different ways and have impacted the lives of millions of people around the world. Henry Nowen was a chaplain. He eventually went on to serve as a chaplain in a community of people with special needs uh, in Canada. And he, for many years, uh, he was known as a very um, notable speaker uh, on psychology and counseling and other things within the Catholic tradition. He went and spoke at Ivy League colleges, he taught at very prestigious schools, and he eventually came to this place where he felt God was calling him to give all that prestige up in order to go serve people, uh, adults with special needs in a community. And he went to do that for the remainder of his life, giving up all that prestige. And so many of his books, his writings, his letters, talk about the journey of what he felt God was calling him to do all along in his life. And some of them are, are books I would so recommend that you read to understand this story because he talks about it at a few different places in his writings. He talks about what God the Father says to Jesus. And what I love about what Alan says is he says that the same words the Father utters to Jesus are also words he speaks to you and me. You are my beloved son or daughter, in whom I am well pleased. God says that to you and to me. And he says it every single day. I love you. It is your reason for being is to receive my love. For me to shower you in love. For you to be defined by love. For your identity to be rooted in in my perfect, eternal love. Now it was so convinced of this, so convinced that at the heart of our faith, the bedrock truth is that God loves us. He wrote a book all about it called Life of the Beloved. If you haven't read it, it's a small paperback book. 
I encourage you to get your hands on a copy of it. It is such a powerful book. It's probably the book I've given away the most to people in ministry, to people wrestling with questions of faith or, or spirituality. It's such a powerful text. And at the heart of it, he's talking about this concept that God loves us. It is a transformative truth. For so many of us who've grown up in the church, it's easy to dismiss it as if it's simply a truth for children to understand or remember. Right? We have the classic Sunday school song, Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Bible tells me so. Right? We, don't, we often think, well, that's important for kids to learn, right? When they're first growing up in the faith. But then we sort of think, oh, that's elementary Christianity. No! That is Ph.D. Christianity. It is important for kids to hear, and it's important for you to hear. Even if you have been a part of the faith for your entire life. Even if you've grown up in the church and lived in it for decades. You need to hear this truth again. I need to hear this truth again. We need to be reminded of this regularly, because it's so easy to forget. It's also so easy, and now we'll talk about this, it's so easy to let other voices tell us otherwise. We can sometimes carry around our own tape recorders in our minds, from our culture, from our family of origin, from ourselves, where we say to ourselves, or we hear those voices saying, you're not lovable, you're not worthy of love, no one loves you. Those are all lies. The ultimate, most true voice in the universe is telling you and me today, I love you. That love doesn't change. My love for you does not change. I have had moments in prayer where all I've done is sit with this text, read it out loud, and read that voice of the Father as if he's saying it to me. I even put my name in there as if God is saying, I love you, Sam. I hear that. And there have been times where it's brought me to tears to remember and to be immersed in the voice of God the Father saying to me that He loves me. Right here, where I am. With all my messiness and brokenness, with all the mistakes that I've made in my life, with all the regrets that I've, I've got for things I've done, He still loves me right here, right now. And He wants to take me places. He wants to take you places do things, take you to new spiritual experiences, teach you new things. If you're not dead, you're not done. It's a powerful truth, and a humbling one, is it not? To recognize that some of the greatest characters in the Bible began their spiritual journey in their 80s and 90s. That's truth for you as much as it is for me. So my hope for all of us today is that our number one takeaway from this text in Matthew, from his sister text in Luke, where you can read also about the baptism of Jesus, my hope and prayer for us is that we would hear the voice of God the Father as the voice for Jesus and as the voice for you. Hear that, that God loves you. And there is nothing, nothing in the universe that can change God's mind about loving you. It has been that way before you were born. Before eternity, before time began, in eternity, God loved you. After time ends into eternity, God will continue to love you. 
God loves you right here and now in time, where you are. That's the most important truth I can ever preach a sermon on. And so I pray that you hear it today as true for you, that you receive it even as a new reminder, even as a new immersion experience, and that you are blessed this week, everywhere you go and everything that you do, to be reminded that you are consistently and constantly surrounded by God's love. And there's nothing you can do to change that. It's with you always. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue our service of worship with this, the hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
plant cleans us. You claim us in baptism, but too few of us remember our own baptism. If we remember our baptism, we rarely grasp its meaning and power. As we present tithes and offering in worship, and witness Christ's baptism once again, may we remember in that water we were, like Christ, commissioned to teach, preach, heal, and to take up a cross. In Christ we pray. Amen. As we come to the time of the prayers of the congregation, I recognize that as we gather for worship every Sunday, it's our rhythm of gathering community, we come sometimes carrying heavy burdens. So maybe this morning as we gather in worship, you come weighed down by a grief, weighed down by a struggle or a challenge in your own life, a hardship of some kind. Maybe for you the weight is for someone else you care about, a loved one, a person in your sphere of influence who you're really praying for and you want to lift up in prayer. And I also want to recognize that maybe you're here this morning filled with joys and thanksgivings and celebrations, or all of the above. Whatever there may be that you're carrying that you want to lift up in prayer today, I invite you to indicate that at this time by raising your hand. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the sunshine outside. We thank you for the blessing of rain that we've needed so desperately. We also thank you, Lord, for protection and safety over people in our region encountering the storms that have come recently. And Lord, we also lift up all the prayer requests indicated by these hands that have been raised. Our brothers and sisters, some of them, Lord, are carrying heavy burdens, weights, struggles, hardships, and challenges. Others of us, Lord, are bringing thanksgivings and praises for answered prayers, for miracles. And so, Lord, for all these things and for everything in between, we lift these up to you. We entrust them to your care. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that prayer is. It's our direct connection to you, our ability to talk to you anytime, anywhere, no matter what. And here, in the special context of worship, we gather to pray, to lift these things up to you. We pray, Lord, for those who need healing. We pray you would bring it. For those who are seeking reconciliation of a broken relationship, we pray you would bring it. Lord, we pray that you would touch every place of need, every body, soul, mind, and heart. And Lord, for all of our thanksgivings and praises, we lift them up to you. We rejoice. We thank you for hearing our prayers, for answering prayers, for providing miraculous interventions, for working in our lives, for being present in all the things that are going on with us. We pray all of these things, Lord, and we lift them up to you, and we thank you that you hear all our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I invite you to join me as we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
And now for our final hymn, O For a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.